and we're live. All right. Uh, all right. It's uh, February 25th, 2019. Uh, you're here with the stand room. Uh, oh, you got the 2019 right this time. I did get the year right this time. <laughs> well done. So I, I've learned important to know what day it is. Yeah, that helps. Well, you're running a small business. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is Matt. Uh, being here with Jeff and John. Hey there. What up? Uh, yeah, and uh, so we've, you know, kind of in our, in our group chat been talking over the last little bit and gaining a little momentum this year. Jeff, we talked about how we'd kind of taken a long break as DC Sports was – you know, between the ends and just the nat, it just there wasn't a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, but this week we've got we've got something pretty big happening, um, and uh, I think nobody better than John to uh, kind of lead us into that. Uh, John, you paint a picture for you know wh what's coming up in DC sports. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, this Sunday at 6 p.m., DC United's uh, starting its 2019 season, first full season in Audi Field. Um, and so a lot of people are pretty excited to, to have MLS back. Did you ever think that I would be excited here telling no. you that I am for soccer? This is kind of freaking me out. It's kind of freaking me out. I'm not sure, like, if I should get excited about it yet, if it's all going to come crashing down. But you genuinely did enjoy your experience at DC United Games last year, whether it was just the stadium or, or the product on the field. Like, you were kind of excited about the total package, and I don't think you were alone in that in the city. You know, a lot, a lot of people kind of felt that same way. Because um, to kind of rewind things before we get into the 2019 season, 2018, once, once the stadium opened, I mean, it was a super exciting time, right? They were in what, last place, John, I think, when the stadium opened, or second to last place? Um, it's like second to last place. Yeah. And then the stadium opened, Rooney came right after that, and the team went on a freaking tear and was so much fun to watch. Um, whether, whether you were there or watching it on TV, they, they really uh, played a beautiful brand of soccer and it was just, just exciting. And, and a great judge of that is just when you're kind of walking around the city, you're at work or whatever, you're, you're out to lunch someplace and people are talking about the team. Um, and especially if you click on sports center and you get to see Wayne Rooney highlights, um, we got a little bit of all of that last summer and into the fall. Um, so that was, that was really, really, as, as a soccer geek myself, awesome to see. Very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'm happy to see that you, you are starting to believe that I, soccer fandom or football fan is not, uh, not just a bit to troll you. I'm not convinced it's not a troll. <laughs> I'm really not. But uh, let's, right, let's do a quick Recap. So the season last year ended in a very easy manner. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, definitely. Um, Jeff, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, first of all, of ride, it, it, was, it was a weird season in that, you know, the stadium wasn't ready when the season opened. So we played pretty much a season's worth of road games in the first half of the year. And then we kind of just camped out in D.C. in the second half of the year. And, and we kind of and went on that run. Um, you know, the brightest spots from last year along with Rooney, I guess you would say, John, is probably Lucho Acosta, right? Oh, Acosta played lights out. It was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he was putting up stats we'd, we'd never seen him, you know, put out there. Yeah. And he was like a fun guy to watch with the ball. Like kind of, you know, coming from a more like perspective. I just remember any time, you know, I, I'm, you're learning player name, player's name. He's 
definitely, I'd say he's one of the smaller guys on the field. Is it sure. Metro? For sure. Yeah. He's like five foot three. Yeah. But yeah. like when he got ball, some Mets, of the things, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was so fun to watch. And uh, I mean, that was definitely give Acosta credit for like it. That's his play pulled me in. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, I actually the, have these stats on me. When Acosta was playing without Rooney in 14 games, he had a goal and seven assists, which is, you know, not horrible, but certainly not great. Again, he was exciting to watch. When he had an actual goal scorer and they had that chemistry and he was able to play the game he wanted to play, in the last 15 games, he had eight goals and nine assists. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, pretty impressive. Wow. So the season so last year, a lot of fun to watch. There was a playoff game, correct, in D.C.? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that awesome, that awesome run culminated with a, uh, a home playoff game um, against the Columbus Crew uh, at Audi Field. Um, and John and I were both in attendance there. Um, did I see you there, John? I was sitting not far behind you. Um, you we, I, I saw you uh, in overtime. Yes. I think you yeah. were walking down to grab some food, and I, I, I noticed you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was one of the most unbelievable environments for a D.C. sports game I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, the crowd was just on fire the whole time. The, the team, you know, did their best. We, we played a really good Columbus Crew side, well-coached side, um, you know, yeah. as evidenced by Burhalter, Greg Bullharter getting called up to be the U.S. men's national team coach currently. Um, Wait, they, so the guy who's the, coach, the team we play is now the U.S. men's national team coach? Correct. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he really did a, a good job of shutting everything down. But, you know, they, they had some unbelievable goals and did lose in heartbreaking fashion in a, in a penalty kick shootout, um, which was really sad to see. but. I will my, – my main takeaway before I kick it over to John was really just at the end, that, that De Leon goal to tie it up at the very, very end of uh, stoppage time. Man, that, that section where your seats are, John, is, is not the – you know, it's not the Screaming Eagles. It's not the Bear Brava. It's not where the super rowdy people sit. But holy crap, dude. I was, like, soaked in beer, hugging strangers, just <laughs> on top of the world. It was a beautiful scene. and kind of lets you see what the future could possibly be for, for DC United fans moving forward. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as horrific as the loss felt, that moment will always stick with me. I mean, in the soccer community, that goal went viral because a woman who doesn't watch soccer took a video at that same time because a mile away, she could hear the screams and she was like posting it on Twitter saying what's going on. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's it. It was so electrifying. I had never been in a stadium like that for any other sport. I'd only seen that type of reaction on TV for, you know, big European Champions League games or something. But that was definitely a, a moment where, like you said, you, you realized the, the potential uh, for, for the community in D.C. for that. And that was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. It, it wasn't even just that moment for the goal, but, like, the last little bit of regulation time and the entire extra time – the whole stadium was singing the songs and just going crazy. And it was, I mean, just electric to be there. It really, really was. Um, so, yes, tough, tough loss that night. But, man, I, it has me excited for this upcoming season for sure. 
incredibly excited. Totally agree with you. Awesome. So, you know, so as a, you guys are my, my United experts, um, coming into this season, I'm excited. There's, you know, definitely want to go to some games. What do I look forward to this year? Um, from like, I know teams change a lot in the off season, uh, grades and, you know, to be honest, I don't understand how a lot of that works in soccer, football. Uh, talk to me about what to look forward to this season. Yeah, the, the team this year is not that far removed from what we saw at, at, at last season. And, and sometimes that can be a, a problem. But, you know, Acosta was really coming into his own, was looking really strong. His, his pairing with Rooney was unbelievable. And I think the two are going to be just as much fun to watch this year as they were last year. Uh, Ariel is kind of deceptively young. He's been in the national team for a while, but he's only 24 years old. So he's coming into his own, developing as a winger. Um, we still have amazing defensive midfielders and Marino and Canaus, who is still in that U.S. bubble. I think a lot of people want him to play for the, the men's national team. And Bill Hamid will still make just unbelievable saves that, you know, make highlight reels week after week. So I, I think that, you know, if you go to the stadium, you're going to have a good product on the field. That should be exciting. And an amazing environment that, uh, definitely last year was making headlines for the fact that people would watch the, the games on national TV and say, hey, I kind of want to go there. That looks like fun. So a great stadium experience no matter what, I, I, would, I, would, yeah, I would say. Definitely agree with you on the stadium experience. The, the Areola thing freaks me out that he's only 24. I feel like he's been on the scene for so long for those of us that follow the U.S. men's national team. Um, yeah. I'm pretty excited for Areola this season. I, I, I liked – what I saw in the in the uh, in the friendly he played for the men's national team a few weeks ago or a month ago I guess at this point uh, I thought he yeah, played pretty well. Costa Rica. Yes, yeah, I thought he played really well in that game. Maybe one of the one of the best players on our team in that game, frankly, in my opinion. Um, and he's got a lot to prove. You know, all these guys do with the national team with a new coach. Um, and I'm hopeful DC United can benefit from that a lot. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the further development of Acosta and Rooney together. in um, Canals, too, man. Everybody focused on Rooney and, and the team picking up play when he arrived. But a lot of it, too, was Canals getting back on the field and getting stronger and more fit every single game. Um, that guy's a beast. Canals really kind of commands, commands the field, commands the team. And I think when you watch like really good soccer teams, I mean, look at France who won the World Cup last summer. They need a guy in that central defensive midfield position to kind of be the workhorse and be the engine for the team. So if Canals can be there and, and and be that guy, then this team can really go places. I think. I I totally agree, and I tell friends who don't really watch soccer but want to understand the tactics to just watch Canals for a whole half. Yeah, because the way that he creates space by running to, you know, alleviate pressure when someone's, you know, getting double teamed, they need to pass the ball. Canals is going to sew up, mm -hmm. you know, Canals has a vision to give the ball to open players. And just the way that he moves and runs is, you know, how, how a good midfielder is going to play. And uh, yeah, I, you know, like like you said, having Rooney was a huge reason for our, our uptick and amazing results. But having a, a strong defense anchored by Canals. Oh, Play sure. as, as equal role, I think. Definitely, definitely. They, a guy like Knaus, I feel like has a really good pulse of our team, and to kind of make a comp to another guy in town like Tom Wilson, you know, not afraid to mix it up and, and spark things when the team needs it. 
I feel like Knaus is that guy who, you know, if, if we're playing a little lackluster, he'll give a really hard challenge on the ball, you know, not afraid to mix it up. And, and you know, just like in hockey and in, in soccer, really any sport, getting a little more physical fires the rest of the team up. Um, so to get a guy like that who just kind of gets the boys going um, is, is, is super important, I think, to a team. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I expect a lot out of Knauss, I think, moving forward this year. Same here. Yeah. Writing that name down. Yeah. Write that down for sure. Um, so then another thing too, John, I wanted to talk about, um, um, I guess actually, hold on, before we move on to new players and maybe some additions and subtractions too, touch a little bit more on what you think the, a full season of Bill Hamid back, back in DC could mean for the team as well. Uh, I really think that Bill Hamid is a consistent top three goalkeeper uh, in the U.S. bubble. I mean, he makes his mistakes. He's imperfect. He's been pretty honest that he, he wants to work on his distribution. Uh, this, this winter, he went down to England to train with Premier League coaches, and uh-huh. he said it was really eye-opening to realize the things he needs to improve on. And uh, I like that mentality. I think he's a guy who can stop a lot of thoughts, and that, that's what you need. Um, so I, I, I kind of wish that it wasn't just one season. I, I wish we had him locked down for a few more years, but I'm excited to have him for a full year. So we only have a meet for this, this season as of now. So he, he left DC right a year ago to go play in Denmark. And basically his, his whole job was to beat out an old guy who was getting ready to retire and the old guy wasn't ready to retire, so he wasn't <laughs> playing. And DC said, hey, we'll pay for him to at least come here until you're ready for him. So we had him for a year and a half loan. He played half a year last year, and then this is his one complete year. And, uh, you know, we'll try and buy him when we're done, but he may want to stay there. Uh, yeah. No one really knows, and that's one kind of big question mark for the future, you know, three or four years from now. But I think we're in an optimum position right now because we have him for the full year. Gotcha. This is sounding like the 2014 Nationals baseball type team. <laughs> what do you mean? All these people in place that we can absolutely make. I mean, it sounds like a team that can. I mean, you, you two have high expectations for this team. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, not just so us two. I mean, it's excited. high expectations everywhere in the MLS community. I think for this team. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm just talking to you too. So yeah, no. Just to okay. you. <laughs> uh, based on what we saw last year, I definitely do have high expectations for this team. Um, so I guess before we get to the additions, John, we did, you know, to me, the, we didn't really lose a ton this offseason. Uh, probably the biggest loss was Yamil Assad, um, who would yeah. be locking down that, the left wing for us and, and scored the, the opening goal in Audi Field. and. Um, you know, was a, was, a, was a pretty good player. Um, you know, I, I was never really totally in love with him, uh, to be honest, but he definitely had his moments. Um, contributed well, um, always gave a good effort. Um, maybe that injury took a little more out of him than I'm really aware of, but uh, um, we lose him. Um, and then outside of that, what well, was mostly some depth guys, Maddox, uh, Nick DeLeon, um, Talk about some of the departures from the club this offseason. 
I honestly, you kind of nailed it. I mean, Nick DeLeon was a, was a pretty strong depth character who's, who's now with Toronto. Yamil Assad, I think, was the uh, prototypical uh, South American player who knew how to, how to use gamesmanship. He'd had a lot of tricks. Yeah. He was sometimes a bit of a dirty player, but he had some speed. He had some burst. He had great numbers, but he could also disappear. But he definitely seemed to be a hard worker. A lot of the drama was around that, you know, we agreed to purchase him for X amount of dollars and to kind of play the system. DC said, hey, do you mind if we do it in two payments? And then the team that owns him said, no, you, you're going to have to pay more if that's the case. And the, the two kind of got into an argument and decided, eh, we're just not going to bring him back. Um, I can talk about his replacement later. Yeah. The big, you know, issue is, is right back. Uh, O'Neal yep. Fisser was kind of a... a with love in my heart, a kind of nobody player who hadn't done much at, in, in Seattle or anywhere else, but he grew to become one of the best right backs, I think, last year. Um, he was wonderful, but tore his ACL, like, completely. Um, so we're hoping he's able to come play for us this summer. But then uh, our other right back got injured. We ended up really with Paul Ariola playing right back at the end because there was no one else that could do it. Yeah, um, one of my favorite players who I was hyping up at the beginning of the year, uh, Chris Adoy Atom. Um, he's from Maryland. He was a DC ball boy as a kid. Um, he was an amazing right back. He saw a lot of promise two years ago with a rookie. Wasn't playing, wasn't training. No one knew what was wrong with him. A really emotional piece came out a few months ago, maybe four or five months ago, that it turned out he had cancer. He had a Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was like impeding his ability to recover after workouts. Um, wow. But he rang the bell just a few weeks ago and he's back to training with the team. And I think within a few months, he'll be ready to play again. So that was a, a feel good story for the fans uh, and for him and his family, obviously. So. Very cool. So, so that right back position, there were definitely some injuries and losses. Yeah. That was tough for last year, but we, uh, it seems like we addressed it. I know, I guess, getting into the offseason, they were, you know, considering just rolling with Ariola to moving him to right back. Um, but, you know, I don't know much about uh, Leonardo uh, Hara. Is that how you say his last name? Um, yeah. I don't know I much about him. Jay, yeah. yeah, I know Boca Juniors is a great club. Um, I'm assuming he's a pretty solid player. Um, but you got to assume he's going to come right in and start from day one, right? He is absolutely the day one starter. He's been starting pretty much every preseason game. Yeah. Um, if I have to be, like, totally honest about the guy, Boca Juniors was more than happy to get rid of him. He <laughs> pretty much only played when they needed him to play because someone was injured. He was the only right back left at the club when DC came making an offer, and he told media, I don't want to leave Boca. This is my chance to earn my starting spot since there's no one else to compete with. And even then, they ended up going out, buying another right back, and selling him to us. Uh, we ended up drafting Akeem Ward, who is yep. a pretty strong collegiate right back. And I think, honestly, yeah, Jarl's going to start because he's got that pedigree, but I don't think it's guaranteed he's going to keep it. And I hate being pessimistic like that. I'd love for him to live up to the pedigree and be a dominant right back, but he's already made highlight reels from the preseason games of him tripping while rookies out-dribble him. So... <laughs> Well, that's crazy. That to was hear. kind of upsetting. But <laughs> it, it is, I guess, at least comforting that we do have a guy like Ward 
um, in Fisher when he gets back to kind of push him for depth. Um, um, and that's the thing. I mean, we're like going to have going. four right backs in a few months. Yeah. Um, and I feel yeah, like we'll have depth, ward fighting. Really? We'll have. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, because we have we have Jara starting. We'll have Ward fighting him. We'll have a Doy Absom coming back. You know, because he's he's, he's recovering um, from his treatment, and then yeah, we'll have O'Neill Fisser back, and all those guys are, you know, they could be starters. So I think that'll be fun to watch and, and duke it out. Definitely, I th- I think on on for DC United, it's been a long time since we've had competition within the squad to to get time on the field. Um, yeah. So it can only mean better things for us. Uh, if these guys are really battling it out in training and, and pushing each other to stay on the field. I think that that would be a great thing for us. Um, so then also uh, in losing Emil Assad, we were, we brought it in a former teammate of Lucho Acosta, uh, Lucas Rodriguez. They played at, what is it? Estudiantes. Um, yep. They played at Estudiantes. Yes. So he is a little bit versatile. I mean, we brought him in here to, to fill Assad's role in the left wing, um, but he can be a little bit of a plug-and-play player. And technically, I mean, really, our midfielders, all three of those guys in uh, Rodriguez, Acosta, and Ariola, they all kind of float around a little bit. Um, so none oh, of them absolutely. are really married to a position necessarily. Um, so it sounds like he should kind of fit right into that to that role pretty well. Yeah. The, the story around Lucas Rodriguez, I think he goes by, he went by Tito constantly. <laughs> and now that he's in the U S he, he seems to be going back to Lucas. So I don't, I don't know what to, what to do there, but what, what's fascinating about him is DC went to Estudiantes, I think three years ago, they saw Acosta play. They, they saw Rodriguez play and they said, all right, we want to buy both players. And the team said, no, no, Lucas is too good. We're not, we're not giving him to you. Um, and, and Lucas has been consistently in like the top 25 Argentine players, you know, under 21, under 23. He's considered like a true, you know, potential superstar. The issue is, and coaches have not been sigh or quiet about it, they've called him lazy. They've been like, hey, this guy has all the skill, but in training he doesn't give 100%. That's why we don't always play him. Sometimes on the field he doesn't do what we ask him to, so we don't really like that either. Yeah, and um, and so he, he seems like a little bit of a troubled person with high potential, and I think there's this hope of, hey, look at how Acosta improved training next to a guy like Rooney. Lucas Rodriguez is saying, you know, Acosta get offers from from abroad and is training next to a guy like Rooney and sees other people that play for their national teams. Maybe he'll he'll get his act together. Um, and I think that that would mean a, a huge upside for for fans like us. Nice, man. A little more like competition going on within the inside. People pushing each other, huh? That's the hope. Very cool. So, all right. What's team do like, I, so as a fan coming into this, this season, what teams are like our rivals? Um, you know, who, who are the, who are the, like the, you know, the Phillies, the Mets, the Cowboys <laughs> of DC United? Does that exist? Yes, it definitely exists. I mean, yeah, Red, Red Bulls are really yeah. a big one. Red, Red and that's Bulls, New York? Just, yeah, New York Red Bulls, they've been around. They were the Metro Stars first, but they're very much like, you know, the, the, the rival for, for D.C. United. New York yeah. has two teams, correct? Yes, they have the Red Bulls and New York City FC. 
Um, but yeah. the Red Bulls are much more so our, our long-term rivals. Um, I feel like, John, they've kind of tried to do like – try to rearrange the rivalries and do like a New York bit. And weren't they trying to push a rivalry between us and like Philadelphia? Yep. Yeah. And, and it's there's just kind of a rivalry. You can't force a rivalry. But it's not the same. Yeah. You, it's like the Union are kind of a rival of ours, but like it doesn't – it's not like – when we're playing the Red Bulls, I like I need to watch this game. Like everybody else, I don't really care quite as much to be to be honest. Um, but yes, so Matt, it is definitely the Red Bulls is our chief rival. Um, Atlanta United, who won MLS Cup, is also in our division, um, and that's who we also open with, open against, I should say, on Sunday. Um, and then yeah, Philly Union for sure. Um, John, what, what team really gets you, man? What do you like? Like, yo, so here, here's my thing. You know, when we talk about the Red Bulls and you watch player interviews, there's nothing quite like Europe. And I'm not saying that like it's an apologist for MLS. I, I love the league clearly. But when you hear players in, 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 the, in the pregame interviews, I do think Red Bulls is pretty authentic and that they genuinely seem to like really hate each other. I mean, even if it's not rivalry week, they say, like, we refuse to lose to this team. Nice. Um, and, it, and it goes both ways. And, I mean, uh, Sasha Kledston uh, played for Red Bulls for, I think, two years and was really exceptional. And Steve Birnbaum, who was our captain, you know, has been our, 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 um, our center back for a few years. And when the two were on the national team with each other and they would do videos, they would just talk shit to each other, you know, the entire time. Like, it was clear, like, yeah, you play for the team I don't like. And I was kind of surprised to see that on U.S. soccer media, but there's definitely uh, some bad blood there, and it makes the games really exciting. And it's fun because Red Bulls have become a really great team that you have to respect to a certain amount, mm -hmm. except they haven't won anything. And that's kind of fun as an MLS fan, as a D.C. United fan, to say we have four cups, you have zero. Gotcha. Well, it's good because I've, I've got a lot of, like, uh, you know, irrational anger and sports is the best way. i got, I got to make sure I'm funneling it in the right direction. <laughs> you know how about what about the columbus crew are we like not cool with them because of what happened last season or is that far enough away that it's like not a big deal uh, uh i mean for me personally like these things happen i don't i don't love columbus but i mean they almost lost their team that's another three-hour yeah. podcast that happens in the future <laughs> <laughs> to me it's like how i feel about like you know the toronto maple leafs in comparison to the caps because we played like one random playoff series against them. Like, it's not like how I feel about the Penguins, if I'm going to kind of give you an analogy. Um, you know, the crew, of course, I mean, you want to win every game, but I don't. It's, if we lose to the crew, that's not a loss that I'm going to stew in at all. Yeah, if I had to make my, you know, you, you're more than free to disagree with me, but I almost think of it like the Redskins and the Seahawks. Like, yeah, they've knocked yeah. us out. I don't really love them, but I'm yeah. not sitting there actively rooting against them. Like, Gotcha. Gotcha. That's a good. Yeah. good. That was probably a better comp. Yeah, the Redskins losing to the Seahawks. I, I like that. Nice, man. Uh, first game, John, are you going this Sunday? You know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, but uh, when you leave your job to go to law school, you have you to got be a lot more careful on. Where, uh, yeah. where you spend your money. So, <laughs> Are you still a season ticket holder this year? No, no, I had to. Oh. Uh, I had to cancel them for the, oh, no. the same reason. But, uh, oh, no. 
What but a bummer. I'm, I'm still going to go to a few games, you know, and I'm, I'm still going to throw a little, uh, little, little viewing party at my apartment. You know, have a few family members who like the team come over and nice. we'll do our best to make nachos. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> there you go. Your seats, uh, which, you know, thank you uh, for, for hooking those up. I, right behind the goal, I think it was on the opposite side of where the like team, uh, I guess, club fan base. Man, what an experience that was just to be right behind the goal. You said it was a little bit of a tamer area, but like sitting right behind there in that goalie area. And then for the game, getting to see the players like come out and like down that little room, it just created an intimate experience. And I, the whole stadium really has that. But that like being right behind the goal and we'll see everybody come down and then fans line up there to both like cheer, also like heckle other players, a really cool thing to get to see. So uh, oh, I I loved it. I'm gonna miss it terribly. I really am. Oh, we'll, we'll find our way back. There. We'll definitely be we back will. there. So John, when you go back for your first game, what is the number one treat you've got to get at the stadium? You know, uh, okay. baseball has hot dogs. What does what does Audi Field have that you need to get? So this guy, like I think he people were tweeting his name during the Oscars. I, I don't know how this happened, but Jose Andres. <laughs> Oh yeah, like yeah, an amazing chef. The dude, every restaurant I've ever been to, he owns plenty of them in D.C. throughout the U.S. He's a very politically active dude. I happen to agree with a lot of his politics, so I'm a big fan. He does all the food for the the stadium. Really, like he curated it and put together the recipes, and and he like franchised all these little stalls and stands um, at Audi Field. So the nachos. Yeah are unbelievably good. I mean, it's got barbecue beef, you know, sour cream cheese, a second type of cheese, guacamole. I mean, it, it feels like a legitimate, like you'd go to a restaurant and pay quality money for it. And, and somehow it, you know, fits in your hands just barely and get at a stadium. It's an amazing deal. The food is really good. I mean, the nachos are probably my number one, but everything is great there. All right, man. Mm. So nachos are what I'm going to go for. Yeah. There's nothing I hate more than to a, game standing in line forever which nats love if you do right like come to a nine inning game you'll stand in line for at least three of them to get concessions <laughs> and then you get like the worst nachos it just i don't know so i've never gotten food at a united game i've been check it out i'm gonna be coming back to after some nachos um a friend of mine got this corn dish one time what exactly was that called oh the 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 street corn yeah, they do the street corn yeah they do street corn in a bowl. That stuff is amazing, too. It looked pretty awesome. But, again, I wasn't ready. I heard from other experiences at stadiums. So I usually bring David Gang with me and his, uh, his basket of vegetables uh, and, and fruits. So, all right. Yeah, this shout out to D-Gang. D-Gang, dude. Brings us oranges to playoff baseball games. Like, what, what a guy. What a guy. Um, oh, man. What about you, Jeff? What do you look forward to? Um... You know, I also, like you, did not really sample too much of the food there. The, the lines were always a little bit too long for me. Um, I did get pizza there that I would not get again. So I can tell you to avoid the pizza at Audi Field. <laughs> um, the, let's see, I have gone early and been to, um, what's the, uh, the Salt Line Bar. That place is pretty cool if you want to go to a place before you head over to Audi Field. Uh, uh, huh? Definitely a clutch spot clutch spot i highly recommend on you know hot dc summer day they have a fountain or like on tap gin and tonic oh my god phenomenal 
phenomenal cocktail, um, delicious burger over there. Um, so that's been the, the extent of my food exploration over there pre-game DC United, but you know, that can also go towards the Nats as well. DC United fans don't have to go through the Nats fans growing pains of, of getting a few <laughs> bars and restaurants to open up. They're kind of already there for them. Uh, so that's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Um, so lots to take advantage of this summer as you go uh, and take in some DC United games. Awesome, man. Awesome. I thought you were going to say Tecate Tall Boys, especially in the I mean, summer when you get that, that nice third of warm, warm, freshly brewed Tecate. I mean, I think Tecate was probably our go-to beer at Audi Field when we went uh, a couple times. Very sacred, sacred to that space. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, man. He knows how to do them. The fully dressed, they don't do them there. But you know, if you see CC out in the wild, that's John, we talked about Tecate. John, we talked about this last year, but this year we definitely got to get that bike ride going down to the stadium. Um, oh, I think that's one that always locked in Nats games for me in the in the summer was just that that ability to ride down there and yeah, just just experience the area and how accessible it is. So that's something I would love to get going for United year. Maybe do a little thing around it. So definitely want to drop that. Let's do um, it come spring. I'd love that. Awesome. And they do have a bike fillet there. I I saw it. I did like a lap around. Uh, Audi Field one time and found the bike valet space. So much like Nats Park, they've got about a bike valet at Audi Field. DC showing bikes love. Oh yeah, I love it. Oh yeah, very cool guys. Well, this is great, man. I, you know, just to kind of kind of wrap it down here a little bit. I feel like I yeah. walked away with a really you know a good idea of what to expect coming uh to coming up this season. Um, you know, again, kind of coming to the soccer thing green. I think this is going to be a really great resource for myself and a lot of our listeners. Um, yeah. So, you know, our plan is going to be to just check in with you guys and, uh, yeah, just, just as questions come up and, uh, you know, there's a lot of this due to, I'd say, DC, we've had a team now for what, since like 95. We're but, uh, I mean, an original squad. Yeah, 21, 21 years. So we've got, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement about this show. There's a lot of questions and you guys, uh, you guys do a great job of answering those. So I appreciate that. Of course. So we'll, love uh, to do it all season long. Any any closing words? Any last thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Um, no, I mean, I think we said everything we needed to. It's definitely like a super exciting time to be a United fan after some, t- some tough, lean years. Um, one thing we didn't talk about was the little TV plan deal controversy um, with the flow sports and not being on TV quite as much. So hopefully we all get to watch the team as much as we want to. And hopefully the flow sports thing works out well and, and – um, maybe I'll become a subscriber. We'll see. Um, we can definitely dive into that topic for next time as we yeah. like, experience what that's like and probably hit up a couple bars in the area and just see how it all plays out. For sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm just yeah, really looking forward to another big season of, of DC United soccer over at Audi, Audi Field. And hopefully, you know, all things go well, a, a really nice, deep playoff run in the fall. Nice, man. John, what about you, man? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Lose, hey, John? Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you're good. With, you're good. Uh, had an issue with my mic there. No, I'm definitely excited for this season. I'm so used to having a lot of hope with DC Sports and then becoming crust. So I'm a little bit cautious, but excited to watch <laughs> them up be. on the field again. Uh I'm excited to go to Audi Field soon. I, I will likely be trialing Flow Sports, and so I definitely am looking forward to, to podcasting in the coming weeks about how the season's going, any questions people have. 
and uh, talking about, you know, flow sports and the development of the team. So it'll be great. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, look, again, thanks for the time. Um, this is uh, Matt with uh, Jeff and John with The Stand Room. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we'll be posting this on Facebook as well. Uh, we'll have live events open. And just look at anything. If you have any questions or just any topics or just any feedback, just toss it out there. Uh, and, yeah, we hope to have uh, another uh, new pick on DC Sports coming up to you guys soon. Uh, thanks. And see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.